Welcome to Well Examined, the podcast where science and discovery meet intuition and wellness with your host, Christine Dynes. Each episode, I'll chat with the best minds in integrative epigenetic health, biohacking, neuroscience, quantum healing, and lifestyle design, as well as a slew of reputable citizen scientists across all facets of wellness. Friends, today we're joined by my sweet friend, spiritual counselor and astrologer, Danielle Beinstein. Danny and I met almost a decade ago for the first time over deli sandwiches at Justa Cafe in Venice Beach. She was the first astrologer to read my chart, and what she explained to me honestly brought me to happy tears and really helped me examine my beliefs from an entirely new perspective. Danny just has a way of personalizing her readings and guidance that really speaks to your heart. So let's welcome her so we can get into the awesome thoughts and questions you guys all sent about the science of astrology and spiritual psychology. And for those of you who have been listening along to Well Examined for a while, I wanted to let you know that now you can write to me through Instagram and you can let me know different things you hope that I'll touch on with new guests that are coming along. So hop on to Instagram and follow along there. And I'm going to start um, revealing guests ahead of time so you can interact and let me know what you want to hear about. So thank you guys so much for helping shape the conversation for today. So, hey, Danny, thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me. What an introduction. I didn't know that. I didn't know I was the first person to read your chart. It's yeah. quite an honor. Yeah, it definitely put my mind at ease and excited me. And I remember the whole time going, well, that explains that. Or, oh, now I understand that. <laughs> um, I know so many people have probably said this, but you reading and explaining the nuances of my chart really helped dramatically transform, honestly, the trajectory um, of my life. And so after hearing oh my God. listeners, I think the number one thing people really were saying that they we're hoping to hear is they want to understand how to make astrology a tangible tool in their everyday lives. So I'm excited to get into all that. Mm-hmm. And you know, I have this fun question I love to ask everybody. Um, tell us about your story by telling us about your ikigai, Danny. Ikigai. I was actually just in, I was in Japan in December. Um, there's such a, there's such a, um, reverence in that culture for all things, you know, for like the dedication and the craftsmanship and they really honor that. And I feel like that speaks to Ikigai, right? I probably did not pronounce that right. Um, But I, for me, you know, I would say that the thing that I, you know, draw my purpose from is the emotional journey. I I consider myself, um, yes, I have a spiritual perspective, but I also consider myself a humanist and I studied humanities and I've always been interested in the nuances and complexities of being a human being, right? So we live in a world that is predominantly thought-centered and um, I think in many ways, listen, information is essential and knowledge is essential and critical thinking is essential. But when we do it divorced, when we explore that divorced from our heart and our emotions and our instincts and our intuition, all these complexities that make us us, I think that we lose um, a fundamental piece of ourselves and then a fundamental piece of 
community and connection. And I've always just been interested in and driven by the exploration of what's happening underneath the surface. Um, you know, and I think that that, that permeates everything. And then I would say my deepest, um, I would say maybe my deepest skill set, for lack of a better term, is my ability to absorb large amounts of information, digest them, filter them, and then explain it in a way that's digestible um, to others. So astrology is just kind of a language that came so easily to me that I, I, I've said that I think if past lives exist, I studied in a past life or it was a part of me in a past life. But I would say that the, the thing that really drives me is not actually the astrology. It's helping people feel seen in a holistic way um, and not judged and held for. Because I think in that space, we're able to come to a sense of clarity um, and acceptance. And that from that place, make decisions rather than from a decision coming from an againstness, you know, or um, a kind of um, discomfort with the unknown. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I love that you kind of distinguished, um, you know, you use the word humanist, and I think that'll come up through questions mm-hmm. because I think a lot of this is honestly um, vocabulary lesson. And, you, you know, you read yeah. something and you could read about it for years and then you actually have a discussion about it. And like you said, you know, absorbing all of these large pieces of information, but then having the ability to make it tangible and explain it so it's going to be useful. So then this makes sense to think um, before we even dive into your practice of astrology, let's talk a little bit about what spiritual spiritual psychology is mm-hmm. by <clears throat> introducing this area of practice for those who are new to the field in general. Can you tell us about how science and spirituality come together in this way and then maybe even um, explain, I guess, how that influences our experience as a human, if that makes sense. It does. I mean, I actually think that's far more your, the science aspect is far more your expertise than mine. I would say that, um, but but to, to kind of answer your question and to, to start from the beginning, spiritual psychology is, it was coined by my teachers who are named Ron and Mary Holnick. They're a married couple. They've been married maybe 40 something years there. Yeah. And they started this program in spiritual psychology in Santa Monica and um, coming from the East Coast and the academic heavy world that I came from, my parents were like, what is this program? Is this a cult? What is this? Um, and like anything, anything can be turned into kind of a cultish thing, right? There can be a kind of we're in, you're out, proselytization. But what what the core of spiritual psychology is really about is that we are souls having a human experience rather than we're just human and we have souls, right? So we're souls. We incarnate here. We're born here. We have, um, we're born with a set of cards, right? And it, we're dealt these cards and it's how do we navigate them? How do we utilize them, right? How do we play them? And so a lot of spiritual psychology has to do with forgiveness, forgiveness first of the self, because a lot of what happens when we 
as we age, as we grow up, as we take in the world around us and we form judgments against ourselves, against others, we create separateness. And we also form our identity almost in againstness and in judgment. So the way that I've understood spiritual psychology is to recognize the difference between conscious awareness and thought and how thought helps seed emotions and those emotions help seed behavior patterns, right? Because our memories are lodged um, through emotion, as I understand it, right? Like the way that we, that's why we remember dramatic moments in our lives because they're couched, right? Whereas if like we do something every day, we may remember like an amalgam of it. Like, oh, I went to this coffee shop every day and I kind of combine all of these memories. But if something dramatic happened one day at the coffee shop, you would remember that, right? Because it, it evokes an emotion experience for you. So that gets lodged within us. And then that starts to shape our perception of the world, right? So it's why, like, for example, you can have two children raised in the same home and one child will remember something completely different than the other child, but each child, what they remember helps to seed their perception of the world at large. So a lot of spiritual psychology is about peeling back the layers and recognizing that those were formed in judgment, not bad, just is, and that that judgment then creates our perception, our perceptual reality. Is that too esoteric or does that make sense? No, it makes total sense. And I, you know, you said that my, my background's more in science. I think for some people, their way into the idea, because it's still an idea, yes. the idea of spiritual psychology is going to be, okay, um, you know, use some scientific terminology, explain it to me through that. Got it. Um, okay. To me, it's so like quantum physics. Yeah. Like if you, if you think about quantum physics, right, which I am no expert, although it's interesting, my whole, my mom's brother is a nuclear physicist and my cousins are nuclear physicists. I'm not close with them and don't know them well at all, but I do, I do come from a lineage of intense scientific inquiry on one side of my family. Um, and I, I think that I didn't get that gene quite as much as my, my oldest sister, but I, as I understand it, it's like time is relative, right? And, and the world is multidimensional. So we have the world that we see, but we can only see so far with the naked eye, right? Like we, can, we can't even see the extent of a football field. And so when people say there's no, there's no God, I say, well, if you can't see the length of a football field, how can you know? Like, because Beyond peripheral vision, there's things that we can't see. Like I remember when I was in, on safari in Africa and we were, we were out one morning um, out in the bush, you know, seeking out animals. And they said, um, they said, can you hear like the rhinoceroses? I think it's been so, so long, but the rhinoceroses are having a conversation, but you can't hear it. <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh, like how, and at that point I was like an atheist. I was 19. I was like, there's no way. God, I was like, oh, I can't even hear that they're having a conversation. What else can't I hear? And what else can't I see that's creating my reality? So I think that that it's like, it's really a question of what's measurable because radio freak or frequency can pick up that they're having a conversation, right? But there are things that we don't have the instrument yet to um, to quantify. And so I think that's where I think spirituality comes in. It's like, where, where are the limits of what's measurable? Yeah. I have this discussion 
all of the time. Last night, my husband and daughter were teasing me because I said something about seeing the aura of my cat. Yeah. <laughs> you know, immediately the brain goes to, well, you know, how beyond yes. your, your everyday sensory experience, you know, quantify that. Give us the equation. How did you really... <laughs> Totally, totally. And I think that there is, then I think there are, there's this woman named Penny Pierce and she writes a lot about this idea of like, kind of like the superhuman. She has a book called The um, Leap of Perception, I think it's called. And it's all about how she thinks that we are evolving as a species, like into telepathy, into shape-shifting, into all of this. Um, and so I think that that is where you get into a realm of, you do kind of have to take a leap of faith, but there are examples of it. Like we see, um, we see spontaneous healing, we see quantum healing, um, but not, we don't have enough, let's say examples of it. We've seen Larry Dossie has tested that prayer affects the outcome of health. Yes. That was right? my, um, dissertation when I was getting out of med school. It, it was like, I've studied all of this, you know, medicine. Let's get into something really exciting. And yeah. I'm so glad that I studied clinical science and religion early on. I, you know, had no idea that it would help so much in how I can just have a conversation with someone in my private practice. If I had studied um, all the science first, right. I don't know if I would, you know, be here doing what I'm doing. And like you said earlier, being from the East Coast and having all that heavy, uh, you know, intellectual academic yeah. science, <laughs> it really, yeah, it really, really shaped all of that, the science of spirituality, you know, and you come out here to the West Coast and things sort of soften a little bit and open up and evolve and you're having different conversations about the possibilities. And it does seem like it gets to be a little more esoteric, but I, I feel like it is the science that still from, you know, all these questions mm -hmm. I got from my listeners, it's still their bridge to opening up to the possibilities of astrology, astrology. everyday tangible tool. So for you, yeah. you know, what, what was your experience like? Um, you know, did you, did you have some experience where you thought when you went back, so I should tell people you went back to school, yeah. um, your teachers, I think in 2012. So what yeah. was going on at that time where you felt like I need to, you know, be able to have more tools to explain, to make it more tangible. What was that? Well, I actually, so I went back to school, I actually started October of 2010. Okay. So I completed August of 2012. Um, but what was going on was massive confusion in my psyche. Um, and really to be totally frank, I was how can I say this? I was, let's say, intellectually sophisticated and could articulate psychological, my psychological astuteness, but it was not at all integrated within myself. Not at all. And I would say within myself, I had massive fears of intimacy. Um, there was almost like a cognitive dissonance in a way. There was, um, I was not, I was very mature in some ways. Um, but grossly immature in other ways that might not be immediately apparent to others, right? But inside of myself, I felt that there was um, 
a lack of experience because I was an extremely late bloomer and in many ways was quite traumatized. And so I, I froze. That was my response to trauma is that I froze. And so a lot of emotional experiences, let's say around dating, I just hadn't had, I really hadn't had, um, not in a way that was integrated, um, more like I was chasing unavailable men. I was kind of caught up with unavailable men, but I hadn't had the kind of, and I ran away from friendships that scared me. You know, I, I didn't have, I didn't have communication tools above all else. Let's just say that I had no communication tools. And so I had gotten out of this really, really toxic relationship and I'd been working in Hollywood and I just was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I was about 29. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing here, but it's not good. <laughs> you know? And I just, and I was like, I need help. You know, it's basically my way of saying like, I need help. Um, and I stumbled upon this program in spiritual psychology. And I was like, this sounds really interesting, you know? And of course my parents are like, don't you want to go back to the East coast? Like maybe try going to an Ivy league school, you know, see what's, see what's going on over there. Um, have you looked at Columbia, you know? And I was like, which actually does have a, a spiritual psychology program, but I don't think it's, it's of this kind. So this is the program was, you are your test case, you know, you are, you are your test case. And then everybody else that you're in school with. So you have to actually, you learn by practicing all of these facilitation school skills, right? So it's not just like academic. Um, and every paper and everything that you write is about your own process, which one could argue, well, that's really narcissistic. But actually, I think a lot of issues that we have with practitioners in our culture is that it's not integrated within themselves, right? So they may be saying something, but they haven't explored it within themselves, right? And really done the inner work to hold the space without projection. So that's a lot of what that program is. But I went in kind of blind, to be honest. And the first year that I was there, I was like, what is this? Like, what are you, how come you're not using like primary texts? Like, I don't understand why, you know, it was my, all my judgment was, was there, but then something clicked near the end of the first year. And I was like, Oh, like I had an, I had a shift. I had an awakening within me and I was like, Oh, this is what this program is about. Um, and I went on for two more years and, and completed the three year master's program. Um, and it was a really, really bumpy road within myself because like I said, there, I was, I was very strong, um, in my judgments and in my ideas of, of right and wrong and all of those judgments I had been holding against myself, right? And then just extended outward. So I don't know if that, is that way off topic or is that kind of what you were asking? Well, I mean, that's incredible because you said you're your own test subject. So that, I mean- To start, yeah. And then you work with everybody else that you're in school with. Well, having a background in clinical psych, you know, from my earlier- mm -hmm we definitely do not bridge <laughs> yeah. bridge that at all. Even when you get into the spiritual psychology, uh, it's still just more academic, you know? So Yeah. And I'd done that. Like I'd studied that undergrad, right? I had, I actually created my own major in philosophy, humanity, social history. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I, you know, I'd studied Thomas Aquinas, you know, and 
you know, Augustus and all of these kind of, um, you know, all of these thinkers. And so I just, um, or Augustine, St. Augustine, Augustus, St. Augustine. Um, sorry, it's still early for me. Um, so, you know, I had, I had, I had my studies kind of theologically, right? I mean, obviously that's just like the Catholic history, but I'd done a lot of theological studies, but again, not integrated, not like, well, how does this, how does this really apply within intimate relationships? Because that is, you know, Tony Robbins says all the time, like the career is almost the easiest thing to work with, but it's the intimacy, the emotional intimacy where people have the hardest time. So you know, that's where, that's where certainly my work, um, needed to be done because I grew up in a house where you just shouted and debated to get your way, you know? Um, so I had a lot of learning to do and I'm still doing learning in that. Um, but that was really instrumental. And then learning how to communicate others, learning how to hold space for others as they were processing without rushing into going, but I had to fix that just holding the space because they actually have that, those tools within them. Um, and they're, each, you know, every single person is in the dignity of their own process. So I bring all that to my work, you know, um, and I really try not to give unsolicited advice, um, but more constructive guidance and, you know, just deeper awareness and reflection so that clients can go, oh, I understand that about myself. And then, you know, they can come to the conclusion within themselves with me there because we then can process different tools that may be of help. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Does that make sense all the time? Yeah, it, all, it does. I know when you're talking on and explaining something, <laughs> then you come back and say, okay, everybody listening, does that make sense? <laughs> totally. So my process. About how, um, you know, many practitioners haven't gone through the process themselves. And it takes me back to med school where, you know, you're sitting there in your clinics and your professors say, okay, don't share personal stories. It's not about you. That's narcissistic. You know, don't relate anything personal. Just do the intake and go on. But, you know, you said, you said unsolicited advice, but it's your human experience that helps people open up. And, you know, research shows that people are going to align with their peers. So what's wrong with being vulnerable and allowing that space and giving a little bit of your own personal history and information. You know, if you're someone who says, Oh, I specialize in inner child work, I specialize yeah. in work. And then you haven't done the work and you aren't even <laughs> exactly anybody. I think that's so inauthentic. And again, <laughs> you could probably tell me, Oh, well, there's something in my chart that, you know, where I assign value <laughs> to that. But um, yeah. I think that's so important because, you know, it's like, I know so many people have come to me and they would say, you know, my doctor, my healer, my this one, my that one, they, they don't give me a single sign that they're human, that they've had this experience. And, you know, so they, you know, they feel really disconnected there. And I think that's so important that you're talking about how you've done the work and what your experience is. And yeah. And I will say, you know, with clients, I will say, can I share a personal anecdote that might be of service to you? And almost every single time people say, yeah, no, I'd like to hear that. And then it creates, you know, it creates an, a deeper opening. But yeah, I think that that's all very, um, I think it's an issue today, right? And I think it's an issue around maturation, you know? And just because something looks some way on Instagram doesn't mean that it's that way in truth, 
right? That so I think that that's I'm um, I'm a huge believer in sharing my own vulnerabilities, and I I have on different podcasts and and whatnot because I think that it's um, I'm not here on a mountaintop, you know. I can read a chart, you know. That is something that I can do. So that's that's my gateway, and I say, okay, this is this is the energy you know, that you're made up of. Here's, you know, here are best practices for this, et cetera. I mean, that's, I don't speak in quite those terms, but um, you get what I'm saying. But in terms of when we get to the deeper dive, you know, with clients, it's like human to human, you know, because the feedback that I get a lot is like, I just feel like I just spoke to the best big sister that I wish I had, which is like exactly what I'm what I'm looking to provide, you know, that kind of like Love that. neutral, you know, and that's, that's the feedback that I cherish the most because I'm not, I'm not looking here for a kind of clinical assessment. Um, that's not, that's just other people can do that. And that's the other thing too. It's like when people say like, I want to become an astrologer, tell me, you know, you know, do you have any advice? And I say, get some kind of facilitation degree, because if you're, if you're sharing what is, you know, potentially deeply intimate um, knowledge about someone's chart. If you just say, you know, you could deliver it in a way that could be damaging, like flat out damaging. Like I have clients come to me who are, you know, what I call astrological trauma victims because they've been told something. And I'm like, first of all, that's not even, that's not even a nuanced interpretation. That is literally they Googled that or looked at it, you know, in a textbook written a hundred years ago, and it hasn't caught up to where we are in society um, or what's actually happening. And people then are like, you know, they live with this fear that this thing is going to happen. And so I always say like, do the work on yourself and get a facilitation or counseling degree of some kind. That's incredible advice because you know, we always go back to our families, our, <laughs> our ultimate, yeah. you know, why don't professors put that on the final exam, bring your family into the room oh, and, <laughs> and go through a session with them. But yeah, I mean, communication and facilitation, uh, everything. I have Thich Nhat Hanh's book, um, The Art of Communication, sitting on my counter. I just, I always buy it for other people. I bought it again for myself. It's so important to have that background and practice it and practice it and practice it over and yeah. over. Um, and 100%. And I think the other thing, and I'm, I'm terrible at this on social media. It doesn't, I occasionally do it, but it does not come across. Um, is that I actually have a lot of humor in my life. Like I, I laugh a lot. I, you know, I find the humor in things. Um, I happen to be Ashkenazi Jewish and that's a big part of the Jewish culture is to find humor in things. I know other cultures too, but it's just a deep part of um, my background. And so I also think humor is really important. You know, I think it's like a lot of times this stuff becomes so self-serious that we, we lose that tool of levity. Does that make sense as well? Makes total sense. I'm, I'm so lucky that my husband is the comedian relationship because I can get way too serious <laughs> the whole dynamic but I think I think we definitely need that more just in the profession and when we're um, being entrusted with the intimate details of people's lives too yeah having discussions exactly helping them interpret it 
So when people tell me they want to take an epigenetic approach to dramatically change their lives, we begin working together, you know, exploring and connecting the mind and heart at the belief level. Yes. So many of my clients are already familiar with your work. For those that aren't, uh, I regularly refer clients to me and it's, you know, because you can help people learn with so much depth about their proclivity towards certain patterns. So, so many people are still new to astrology. I want to know, just take it back. We've been throwing, you know, it around, oh, read your chart. Can you tell people a little bit about, from an introductory perspective, what that is like having one's chart read? Yes. So the natal chart is actually a snapshot of the sky the moment you're born. And it's the energy that's happening in the sky the moment you're born. So the, let's say the example that I give a lot is kids who were born 89, 90, um, who are just turning 30 now, just having what's called their Saturn return. Saturn return is a really significant moment um, in terms of your growth. It happens at about 20 and a half years to 30 years old. And it's when Saturn planet of maturation and growth returns to the point it was at your birth. So we are at the Saturn return of the fall of the Berlin Wall. The kids who were born, whether they were born in East West Germany or, you know, in San Francisco, the sky, the energetics of the sky were of this kind of deep transformational energy, right? And kind of a breakdown of the old. So those kids are now adults. And they carry that energy. You carry the energy of the moment in the sky within you at all times. Now it gets much more specific than those broad few years. But whatever energy is in your chart, you, you carry within you. I carry within you. We carry within us. And it's up to us to then harness that energy. So there's a natal chart. A natal chart looks like a, a wheel, like a circle, 360 degrees. It's divided into 12 pie slices. And each of those pie slices are something called a house. And each house represents a different aspect of our lives. And then there are 10 main celestial bodies that are peppered you know, throughout the chart. And they're making geometrical degrees to one another, or they're not. And those geometrical degrees form an almost sy- synergy of that energy or tension within that energy. And all of that can be then translated as archetypal patterns. And that's really where I work with people and kind of the archetypal patterns. So is this person have a proclivity or tendency towards codependence? Does this person have a proclivity towards um, self-assertion to, you know, towards meekness, towards, um, you know, towards creativity, towards more scientific thinking, not that science can't be creative, but you know what I'm getting at. Um, And so that can all be interpreted from the natal chart. And it's a mixture. It's never just one thing. We carry a multitude of archetypes within us to various, varying in, you know, to greater or lesser degree. Gotcha. Yeah. I know when you read my chart, I just the whole time sat there wide eyed, (laughs) <laughs> going, oh my gosh, that explains this. I know I said that before, but after all the different doctors, healers, this one and that one that I'd been to, I mean, wow. It just rewrote how I wanted to do life. It was one of the coolest. Oh my God. Ever had. It's like the biggest honor ever. Yeah. And I think it's also, you know, a big, a big thing with astrology is like, to me, it's a gateway to acceptance. You know, it's almost like 
a load off your back. Cause it's, you know, most of us as human beings go, okay, I'm a gazelle, but I really want to be an elephant or I'm an elephant, but I really want to be a lion or I'm a lion, but I really want to be a dolphin, you know? And it's like, we fight against what we are. We fight against our core nature because of, again, judgments or what we were told, you know? So a lot of what I do is kind of an unpacking and the liberation of self. Oh, I get to just be me. Oh, what? I just said to me, me, that's it. You know? And so, and then it's like taking the core energy and saying, okay, well, here is the highest vibration of that energy, right? Here is, um, here's where you can express that energy in a way that is proactive or healthy rather than unhealthy. I think it's so funny to think of it this way, because now whenever someone comes to me and asks the same question, I, you know, I haven't done their charts, but I always wish I had their chart in my hand. Yeah. I always feel like it would be such an extra tool. I could lay down their genetics and their chart at the same time. Maybe you're going to have to teach me how to do that at some point. Yeah. That, it's, because it, it's, it's, all, it's all interrelated. You know? Well, it makes sense then these, okay, these, well, I say it makes sense, makes sense to me. The question that people had for you, everybody just kept asking, well, the science of astrology, because science is so concrete to certain people, right? It's right. what, offers them their foundation. So people are asking, as far as the science of astrology goes, can you touch on physics or metaphysics perspective? And then, uh, like you just said about reading charts, someone went on to comment on how you said the astrology is never wrong. And what are the scientific underpinnings uh, of translating for people? I think what people are just asking is, how does she know? When she reads a chart, where's that information coming from? How can she prove it? <laughs> that's, and that's really challenging because I, my readings are a combination, even though I'm looking at the chart, I can't, I can, I can always reference back to the chart to explain why I'm saying what I'm saying, but there's also something else going on. There's an X factor and I don't know where that X factor comes from and I'm not going to pretend to know. But what I will say is that if you want to look at the science, right? It's like this, the, the moon affects the tides. I'm not a surfer, but like my boyfriend can stare at the ocean and know what the waves are going to be like later in the day, tomorrow down the, it's, it's insane to me. I can't do that. Right. But that has to do a lot with the tides and the moon. I mean, it has to do a lot with the moon yeah. and the celestial bodies. Right. So we're 78% water. Is that number correct? I think we're 78% water. Are we more? I don't know the exact number. Okay. I think we're 78% water. So why wouldn't we be as affected by those celestial bodies? Can I tell you how the ancients, you know, really came to understand and develop these archetypes based on the constellations? No. Right? No, I can't. And I'm not going to pretend to, you know, but what I can say is that even if you're not a believer, you can get something out of astrology because at least the way I perceive it, because again, we're talking about archetypes. And since the beginning of, the, of time, we have sat around campfires and we have told stories. We have told stories about the hunter, right? We have told stories about the maiden. We have told stories about the mother. We have told stories about the queen. That is what we do. And that is how we interpret our lives, right? So those archetypes, they exist in us regardless of astrology. 
And so can I prove to you? No, I can't, you know, maybe another astrologer can. That's not my, that's not my offering. And that's not my gift, but I have never found it to be wrong, you know, and maybe that's because it's the way I'm interpreting it. And I'm not so reductive in the sense that, you know, I'm not a person who's going to say, you're going to get divorced in 2027. Like that's not my style. Yeah. So in that case, you know, I can't answer that because I'm not, I'm not that reductive in my interpretations. But what I can say is that these tools are, um, they are ancient in their practice. They just are. And so there's something to be trusted in that. Now there's a lot of like, oh, NASA discovered there's 13 signs. And I get that question all the time. I'm not working with, again, I'm not working with that 13 sign. I'm working with the astrology I know, and it still is accurate. Um, but again, my work is not, is not incredibly specific in its, um, it is specific. And then I'll say like, Oh, March 22nd of 2020 to, you know, April 13th of 2024, this planet's going to be in this house and you're going to experience these lessons. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm actually not looking to prove anything. That's not what I'm here to do. I'm really here to create an unconditionally loving space for someone to feel um, seen and heard. So do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend to say like, I know the exact science of it. Because I, it is a mystery to me. Well, isn't it the X factor, the mystery, whether you're more yeah. based or spiritually based that keeps us going? I think so. I mean, it's why I'm drawn to the humanities and it's why I'm drawn to art. And, um, you know, Ani DeFranco has a line in one of her songs and it says like, art is why I get up in the morning, you know? And like, that is, I, I've always um, been driven to the arts and I, and I, see them as interrelated because what is the, what is art, but the interpretation of the human experience? I mean, expression of the human experience. Yeah. I mean, if we didn't have it, it, we would be so dull and reductive and bored. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so I think also that's why I kind of shy away from or have an issue, take issue with toxic positivity, right? This idea that we're supposed to be positive all the time. It's like, that's not interesting to me. That's not layered because if we were, how, how would we process what happens to us? Where's the space to process what's happened to us? You know, and that's that kind of like robotic thinking of like, we're supposed to go here. But if you look at nature, um, nothing grows in a linear fashion exponentially. There's contraction and expansion, contraction and expansion. And um, that's, the, that's the stuff that I'm interested in, you know? And I'm interested in it, I'm, just as a curious person, I'm interested in it all. I'm interested in kind of like bougie relationship dynamics. And I'm interested in, you know, on a more macro scale, human progression. I'm really interested in the question of morality. Um, and I think we're in a time right now where, it's precarious around that because everybody is really holding firm to what they believe is morally right, which is, that's also human nature because we seek security in that way. But I'm, I'm always interested in the gray zone. That's just where I live um, for good or ill, you know, um, that's, 
that's the place that I dwell. Um, and so I think the positive side of that is that I hold a non-judgmental space for clients. The shadow side of that within myself is that I can seek the gray. I can see the gray, right? So I can hold two opposing opinions simultaneously without needing to grab for either one. Oh, I think that's why we're friends. <laughs> seems, seems like our conversations always come to that point. Yeah. I don't know. So something that I know I want to learn more about and yeah. probably do this through one of your courses, but it seems really timely that you started posting about the astrological houses. Everybody's yeah. taking inventory of our new ways of living here. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, Tell us a little bit about how our astrological houses um, either relate to our natal charts or, uh, you know, if we're just getting into astrology, how we can start interpreting what that information is telling us. Yeah. So like I said, there's the, there's the 360 degree wheel. It's divided into 12 pie slices. Those pie slices are the houses and the houses represent different aspects of our psyche and our life. So the first house is, let's say, our identity, how we present to the world, um, our style. The second house is what we own, our financial assets, how we see ourselves as of value, and on and on through all the houses. And so whether we have, they're empty, which means that there's no planets there or luminaries the sun isn't there the moon isn't there there are no other planets there which happens then we look to the sign on the cusp so each house is is associated with a sign and they go in order so whatever whatever sign they start in in your house so whatever sign is the first house cusp which is also called the ascendant or the rising sign people may have heard of that that's how again how you present to the world the next house because i use what's equal house system which means that each house um will follow in consecutive order. So let's say your first house is in Scorpio, then your second house is going to be Sagittarius, then your third house is going to be Capricorn. Um, If your first house is Capricorn, then your second house is going to be Aquarius, your third house is going to be Pisces, and on and on and on, right? So the sign that you have on the house cusp, which is just that line that the house starts at, will tell you, will will shape the energy with which you approach that house. So let's say you have Capricorn on the second house. Well, the second house is all about um, financial income. It's also about like how you value yourself. Um, The assets that you have, Capricorn is a very conservative sign. Um, It's very goal-oriented, achievement-oriented, sober, responsible. So your relationship to your finances are going to have a Capricornian energy to them. So it's part of the layering process. So it's not, it's not really astrology 101. It's more like astrology 201, but it's something, it's a question that I get a lot. And it's something that I just thought, Oh, you know what? Let me start explaining this because I created these courses. Um, and the intro to astrology covers the houses. It covers all the aspects of reading a natal chart. Um, And so I thought I'd just give a snippet of it to kind of give people a taste of how I interpret things and how I invite people into questions, um, which is really what my courses are about. They're about self-inquiry. It's not just cookie cutter. This is this, this is this. It's, it's an engaged process because I, again, I see all this energy as dynamic. So if you go on Google and you circle something and you research, you know, uh, what does the fifth house mean? So the fifth house is creative self-expression. 
Um, it's the love, how you express love, right? It's more kind of, um, it's your core energetic expression. And so, you know, you may go on and say like, oh, if I have Scorpio in the fifth house, that means that like my approach to those things is really intense. Okay. I read that. Great. What do I do? And so my courses really say like, they invite you, there's a series of prompts. And so it invites you into the question of like, well, how do I approach these things? And how do I, you know, how do I engage? Um, and so it's really teaching the idea, the lens of astrology, which I take, which is that again, the energy is dynamic. Um, and the more consciousness we have around it, the more capacity we have to harness it and direct it. Okay. So if I've had, you know, obviously I've had my chart read, if I was to, cause everybody wanted to know about these courses that you're doing, yeah. the course in the cosmic compass membership. So, um, is it sort of like just self-exploration, different modes of, um, yes. my education in astrology and then self-exploration together? Yes. So you learn how to read a natal chart while simultaneously exploring yourself. It's kind of like what I was taught in my program, right? It's like, you can't, it doesn't, there's one thing to take it in academically. There's another thing to really give this energy, um, space to breathe and to engage with it. And so it's both, you learn how to read a chart and then therefore other people's charts as well. And then you're in a process of self-inquiry. So that's that one. The chakra course is the same thing, but around the chakras, which are the seven main energy bond systems in the body. And that's meditations to go along with that to kind of recenter, recalibrate. But the cosmic compass includes both of those. And then every new and full moon, um, I do a video, which includes a talk about it, a meditation. Um, and then there's a write-up about it. And then there's journal prompts. And then I create a playlist and a reading list and a movie list all around the energy of that new and full moon. And new moons are when we plant seeds. Full moons are when we have culminations, awarenesses, um, where we release, where we experience endings. And so when I learned to really live in accordance with the moon cycle, I felt that I was able to harness my energy. It was like really taking these moments for self-reflection. So that's what the membership is. It's like a, um, it's an invitation and it's every two weeks, there's a new moon and a full moon. And so there's fresh content all around that. And it's a way to to, to come back to the self. And then there's all, then there's the, the inclusive of that is the intro to astrology and the chakra. So then I also, there's buttons that go, you know, if you want to know more about this sign, here's the link here. If you want to, you know, here's the meditation, the chakra meditation that I think lines up with this, um, new or full moon, here's the link there. And so it's, it's kind of this self giving energy. So do you have, uh, do you have lives where you're doing uh, live meditations? Are you having discussion periods within any of these modules? I haven't incorporated that yet. I think that I'm going to start incorporating that um, at the six month mark, which would be in September. Um, but I do offer like online classes separate. I do. There is a Facebook page where I answer people's questions when they, when they ask questions. But um, I think that's going to be inclusive in the next iteration. Oh, cool. I'm sure a lot of people are really missing, including you, your meditation classes that you were teaching. In yeah. So it's, yeah, so it's all, you know, it's all of that. It's like gives you a sense of, um, and it's guidance. And it, again, it's like, it's an invitation into self and, and 
it's, I think of it as like an online sanctuary because that's, I always want to create like what I feel I need. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's cool because somebody can engage with you. They just want their introductory experience to be having their chart read. And then, you know, they might explore one of the modules or have the map. And then they pull something out that they maybe just feel stumped on. And then they can have another consultation with you to just completely explore one specific area. Like you said, um, it, to me, the way I'm thinking of it is, oh, I'm stumped about something about my investments and my finances during uh, what's going on right now in the world. Maybe I want to jump back on the phone with Danny and look more into my chart about how I can get a different perspective on that. Is that sort of something that- That's exactly, that's exactly it. And then on top of that, I'm going to be putting out, adding to the intro to astrology, a whole thing about transits and a whole thing about synastry, which is- you know, relationship. So it's going to, it's, it's also updated, you know, it's continually updated. So there's that as well. Yes. And 100%, it's, it's, it's not a static thing. It's a constantly, and so it's, and it's all that energy to it. Oh my gosh. Well, it sounds, um, when you're saying it, I feel relieved. (laughs) That was the relief. I'm like, Oh, all right. Okay. Something else, another tool just to navigate, the everyday here, bringing the thinking and the feeling together. Cause you know, that's what I do. Think yes. and feel. Um, we're on the same page before you go, because I want to just keep talking. I feel like we're going to have to have you back on a hundred okay. times over because there's so much more to talk about, but what words of wisdom would you like to bestow on everyone listening or just um, give your thoughts on how people are navigating the here and now? I mean, I think it's, it's, it's all a process to come back, um, to come back to our center and then, and really it's like our relationship to the unknown. I really think that is what's being kicked up more than anything is our relationship to our mortality and our relationship to the unknown. I think people feel very fixed to information because there's so much (laughs) coming information and people just maybe need permission to be unfixed <laughs> to yes. go slow and be open to possibility. 100%. And to, um, and again, I think the processing piece is so important because I think that we just accumulate information or accumulate knowledge. And if we don't process it and filter it and sit with it, you know, through meditation or contemplation, um, it, it becomes quite dangerous. We just kind of become these bots. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, definitely. I think your compass course was named yeah. perfectly, and that's going to be so awesome for people to explore. A ton of people wrote asking about that, so this is going to be awesome. And I'm going to do some posting about it so people have an idea of how they can even jump in now before this pod ends up airing so thank you so much for being with us today thank you thank you so much for having me I always love talking to you I love your mind and the way that you think and it's it's just and approach everything it's just it's really beautiful thanks Danny well I'm happy to share you with everybody here today they're gonna be so pumped (laughs) all right love you until next time talk to you soon you too bye love